good to see all of you here this morning. We're going to break for a couple of weeks today and next Sunday from our series of messages on the uh, wilderness experience and becoming everything that we can be. Although these two messages, the one today and one next Sunday, about the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are essential to us becoming everything that we can be. Amen? Without Jesus, there's no way that we can do that. Uh, there are a lot of converts in the New Testament. But I titled the message this morning, The Most Remarkable Convert. It's difficult, I think, probably to choose the most remarkable convert that there was in the Bible. I, you could look among the rich, and uh, certainly there was Joseph of Arimathea. He was the rich man that gave Jesus his tomb. You could look among the religious, and certainly Nicodemus comes to mind, a Pharisee, and one that uh, came to question Jesus, and you could look among those that were rejected, I think, immediately of the woman at the well and how Jesus brought to her a saving message and she came to know Jesus Christ. But I think the most remarkable convert to me was the thief on the cross. And... Uh, talk a lot on Palm Sunday about the death of Jesus and how he gave his life for you and for me. Without, without the death on the cross, there'd be no resurrection. And though it's extremely sad and it's painful to go through, I think it's still very meaningful. I want to read to you this morning... Uh, the, from the Gospel of Luke, starting in chapter 23 and verse 32. Luke chapter 23 and verse 32 uh, says there were two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on one side and one on the other side. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided the garments and cast lots, and the people stood looking on. But even uh, the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him coming in, and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription was written over him in the letters of the Greek, the Latin, and the Hebrew that said, This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who, was hanged, who were hanged blasphemed, blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And 
we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now it was about the sixth hour at that time, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. The sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last, and Jesus was dead. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for today. I thank you for the blessings that you give us. I thank you about, God, the price that you paid as you watched your only son die on Calvary's cross. And Father, I pray, God, today as we prepare for next Sunday in the resurrection of Jesus, Lord, that we think about the price that you paid on Calvary. And Father, that, uh, that it means something special, that it adds value to the Christian story, and how it adds value to us. Father, that you were willing to let him die for me and for the others that are here this morning that know Jesus. Lord, I just thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace. We pray, God, that you be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I think probably that the most remarkable convert was this thief on the cross. I want you to think about it. Crucifixion was the most horrible death that one could imagine. You realize, don't you, that it wasn't just the nailing to the, to the cross, but leading up to that. These prisoners were beaten to within an inch of their lives. They were, they were flogged and they were flayed by uh, men with these cat of nine tails. And they would uh, put those people through extreme uh, distress, pain and suffering and agony. And it, uh, once they were at that place, then they would make them carry their crosses up to the hill, whichever, wherever it was going to be. This was probably, well, it, it, was, it was reserved. Crucifixion was reserved for those that were the most heinous, for those that did the most horrible of deeds. It was the most uh, excruciating punishment that they knew and maybe even that we know today, I don't know if there could be anything that was worse. And so these criminals that went along with Jesus, those that were crucified at the same time that they were, that he was, that um, they must have done something pretty bad. Now, the Bible talks about them being robbers or thieves, but you have to understand that being a thief wasn't punishable by crucifixion, by Roman law. It was reserved for those that were the most heinous. Evidently, they had done something other than uh, just being a thief. 
Some people say, and we don't really have evidence of it, but, but some people surmise that they may have been involved with Barabbas, the uh, rebellion leader that was set free in the place of Jesus Christ. Some people think that they may have been a part of their group. And that word for thief or for robber really means someone who wreaks havoc upon the people in their thievery while they're stealing. They wreck things and they kill people and, and they do all kinds of heinous things. And, and it was reserved for the worst of the uh, criminals. And when you think about these three that were crucified that morning, two were completely guilty and one was completely innocent. Two were paying their debts to society and one was paying our debt for sin. And listen to this, one was dying because of sin, one was dying to sin, and one was dying for sinners. So that in itself makes this conversion remarkable to me. And I want to uh, list some things that caused me to believe that this was one of the most remarkable of uh, uh, conversion experiences. The first thing I want you to notice is the uh, remarkable prophecy. Jesus died between two criminals. You know, nowadays when we think of Black Friday, most people think of the day after Thanksgiving and, and their uh, beginning of the Christmas season and shopping for Christmas and all the deals that they can get. But the actually the first Black Friday was this Friday that Jesus was uh, put to death. Jesus, the Messiah, the incarnate Son of God, died on a cruel Roman cross. The Bible teaches that the sun refused to shine for three hours from noon until three o'clock. Now, some skeptics nowadays are trying to say that it most likely was a uh, solar eclipse. But, you know, people nowadays are trying to do anything that they can to take away from the miracles and the, the work of God, they try to what we call demythologize, and when it talks about demythologizing, it's not talking away, talking about doing away with myths, but it's talking about doing away with things that otherwise could not be explained unless God did a work in a mighty way. Now they say that this what might have been a solar eclipse, but that was an absolute impossibility. The scientists seem to think that uh, that might have been the reason, but if they were true scientists, if they knew anything about solar eclipses, they would know that there is no way in the world this could be a solar eclipse because it took place during the Passover. The Passover, the people in that day, the Passover was uh, uh, determined by the lunar calendar not the one that we're on today that has to do with us revolving around the sun, but it was a lunar uh, calendar, and it was only 27.3 days to the lunar calendar. And sometimes we wonder why Easter 
is not on the same day each year. It's because it's determined by the lunar calendar. It's determined by when the, uh, the, the Passover is. And uh, the Passover was always on the 15th day of Nisan, which was in the lunar calendar always the new moon. Always the new moon. The, uh, the uh, or excuse me, always the full moon. The, the, uh, the, the eclipse, the solar eclipse can't happen on the full moon. It happens on the new moon. And so it couldn't have been a solar eclipse, astronomically speaking. Now, I'm not an astronomer, but I do know that there was something that happened. And this is what happened. God was grieving for the death of His Son. Now, folks, listen to me. I don't know about you. I can't tell you one way or the other, but this is something that I want you to know that I understand and I hope and pray that you understand that Easter is not just another day on the calendar. Good Friday is not just another day on the calendar. It was the day that the Son of God, God incarnate, that the Messiah, that Jesus Christ, died for you and for me. So when we come together, this I know this is Palm Sunday, but if you notice all of the songs and everything, they were about the cross. They were about the death of Jesus Christ because that's what we're dealing with today. We're dealing with the fact that because of sin in the world, our Heavenly Father sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on Calvary's cross for you and for me. Folks, listen to me. The Bible teaches that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And the only way that we could know forgiveness is for somebody to die. And that somebody was God's own son, Jesus Christ. When he died on Calvary's cross, he didn't die for his own sin. The Bible teaches that he never sinned. It talks about him and it says, He who knew no sin became sin, that we might obtain the righteousness of God through him. So Jesus never sinned. Had he ever sinned, when he died on Calvary's cross, he would have been dying for his own sin. But he never did. And so when he died on Calvary's cross, he wasn't dying for his sin, but he was dying for your sin. And he was paying the penalty for your sin and for mine. All of us have sinned. All of us have uh, fallen short of the glory of God. So it had, if it weren't for Jesus dying on Calvary's cross, our penalty would be eternal separation from God. But because he did, God offers to us an amazing eternity with him in heaven. You know that the fact that Jesus died on the cross between two criminals was something that was prophesied 750 years before. It wasn't something, this wasn't just a random act. 
this was something that God had been put into plan since the beginning of time. In the, God, in the book of Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 9 it says this, And they made his grave with the wicked but with the rich at his death. Now let me say that again. They made his grave with the wicked. What does that mean? They had made a grave for Jesus with, for just as they did for the other two people that were on the cross. They made a grave for him, but once he died, Joseph of Arimathea, we already mentioned his name this morning, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a member of the Sanhedrin, they went before the high priest and said, listen, listen, can, we, can I have his body to be buried in my tomb? He said, he said, I don't want him to be buried with the criminals that uh, in a pauper's grave. He's the son of God. He is the one, he's the Messiah. He's the one to come and save the world. I want something special for him. Can I take his body and can I pet him in a grave that I had prepared for myself? And uh, that was done, that was said 750 years before that it happened. Some people think that all of this was uh, laid out and planned by the followers of Jesus so it would look like. But how in the world would they know that Jesus was going to be crucified between two criminals? How, did, how would they know 750 years before it took place that he was going to die between two criminals but not be buried in the criminal burial ground but a rich man would come and take his body and put it into his own uh, grave. I think this is a remarkable conver uh, conversion because of the remarkable prophecy that preceded it but not only because of the remarkable prophecy but by the remarkable prayer that the... Uh, that the thief prayed. If you look there in verse 41, it says, and we, uh, I'll go back to 40. It says, but the other answering, well, we'll just go back to 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering, this one that was saved, this one that was converted, rebuked him saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you were under the same condemnation? And then he says, And we indeed justly, we were condemned justly. We did what we were uh, being crucified for, for we received the due reward of our deeds, but this man had done nothing wrong and then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. The thief realizes that he's a sinner. He admits his guilt. He says, we did what we were charged with. He admits that the justice of uh, the punishment that he was about to receive was a just punishment. And then he proclaims that Jesus was righteous, that he did nothing. And folks, listen to me. Those three things, it's still true today. If we're going to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, if we're going to enter into that relationship with him, that we might become an heir of his kingdom, 
we need to admit the fact that we're guilty. Amen? We need to admit the fact that we're sinners. Some people have a difficult time admitting that, that they actually do commit sins. I want to tell you this morning, I'm not one of those people. I want you to know that I'm a sinner. Amen? I probably have sinned today. I don't know exactly what it might have been, but, but I know I've sinned recently because we all sin. And the Bible teaches us that if we say that we have not sinned, we call God a liar and his truth is not in us. So even in saying that, you've sinned because lying is a sin. Amen? We've all sinned. The first thing he did was he admitted the fact that he was a sinner. He understood that the punishment of sin was death. He admitted that, and he understood that the death that he was about to receive was a just punishment. Listen to me. If we sin and live our lives without Jesus Christ, the Bible says that the punishment of that is death. And by that he means we're going to be separated God from God for all eternity. We're going to live in what a place called hell that God has prepared for the devil and his demons, okay? And uh, God is just in doing that. It's not some kind of extreme punishment that God puts us through because he doesn't like us. Jesus, and, and Phil, I, I appreciate that you mentioned this this morning. Uh, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. It's not our role, folks. Listen to me. It's not our role to condemn anybody for anything that has been done. What our role is, is to love people and to share with them the, uh, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ because he came to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came, not to condemn the world. That's what you said. He came to seek and to save, not to condemn. And that's true. That's true. That thief on the cross knew that, that uh, his punishment was justified. He also knew that Jesus was righteous. He said that he wasn't guilty of anything. He had done nothing wrong, and he hadn't. So that means when he died on Calvary's cross, he died for your sin and for my sin. Let's look at his prayer. The first thing out of his mouth when he began, he turned to the Lord, and, and he called him, he called him Lord. He called Jesus Lord. Now think about this. We have no evidence anywhere in the Word of God that he ever walked with Jesus. We don't know that he ever even had met Jesus. He probably had never seen a miracle that Jesus had performed. He, may, he probably heard about him, but there's a good chance that he had never even seen Jesus uh, uh, perform a miracle. He never heard a sermon that Jesus preached. He'd heard about him. He'd heard about this Galilean. He heard about this man from Nazareth that claimed to be the Messiah, who claimed to be the Son of God, who claimed to uh, be the, uh, the way, the truth, and the life. He had heard about all those things, but there's a good chance that he had never met Jesus. But there on the cross, when he saw the way that Jesus uh, suffered and the way that he took his death, he addressed him as Lord. 
he knew immediately. And folks, let me tell you something. When we come into contact with the living God, we know that Jesus is Lord. I think it's interesting that yesterday was April Fool's Day. I always call it, not only me, others before me, called that the atheist holiday. Because the Bible says the fool saith in his heart, there's no God. I believe, I believe that this person, I believe when people come in contact with the truth, the gospel, the uh, promises of God, I think they know. I think as we look, the Bible teaches in the book of Romans that uh, God proves his existence through, through creation. I think when we look at the world around us, we know that this didn't just happen. Do you really believe that everything that is just happened to grow out of a little amoeba in a swamp somewhere and it had nothing no one guiding that and working that miracle? Certainly, there's a God. I, 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 you've heard it said before. I think it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to believe in God because the evidence just doesn't add up. They talk about uh, evolution and everything. Remember, folks, listen, young people, when you study this in school, remember that it's a theory. It's not fact. God created the heavens and the earth, and he created everything that's in it, and he loves you. That same God loves you enough to allow his son to die on Calvary's cross. And, and when this thief, was dying there on the cross next to Jesus, he turned to him and he recognized him as Lord. As Lord. And you know what he asked him? You know what he asked him? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. I don't know what I would have prayed. There's a good shot. I'd have said, like the other one, can you get me down off of this thing? Can you can you stop? Can you stop the pain? Can you stop the agony? He didn't ask, he didn't ask any of those things. He didn't say, Would you be with my family while I'm after I'm gone? He didn't ask for any. He just said, Remember me. I think that's remarkable. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He believed that Jesus was Lord and he was going to set up a kingdom. Folks, listen. If we are ever going to become everything that we can be, we need to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. And that he's going to do what he said he would do. Jesus said, I'll build my church. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. If we're going to become everything that we can be, we need to believe that Jesus is who he said he is and that he's going to do 
what he said he'll do. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. It was a remarkable prophecy. It was a remarkable prayer. And I believe that Jesus' answer was a remarkable promise. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. The only promise that Jesus gave from the cross was to this thief. And he said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Didn't promise that they wouldn't have to go through tribulation. He didn't promise that there wouldn't be storms in life. He didn't promise that he would take care of their families. The only thing he promised was today you'll be with me in paradise. That promise answers some questions about death. About a lot of things. Number one, it answers the question about salvation. That salvation is by faith and by faith alone. It's not because of anything that you've done or haven't done. Salvation comes by faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. It's not a result of works, lest any man should boast. It is a gift of God, and that's the only way we're going to, we're going to receive it. It also tells us that death is immediate. I mean, excuse me, that heaven is immediate. Folks, listen to me. You've heard me preach many funerals, and most every one of them, I'll, I'll, I'll say something about, uh, oh, there may be grief and there may be sorrow, there may be tears shed, but you have to understand that's okay. All of those things are okay. But that grief, that sorrow, those tears shed are not for the person that has passed away because they've gone to someplace better. Folks, listen to me. I believe with all my heart, and I believe this teaches when we die, it's not a, a, a long soul sleep that some people talk about, but it is an immediate, we are immediately with God in heaven. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I, I take comfort in that. I take comfort in that. That there's no more grieving, that there's no more difficulties, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering, but immediately they go to be with their Father in heaven. So let me bring this to a close. I know our time's up. Let me draw just a few conclusions. Two for believers and two for non-believers. Two for believers. Never, ever, ever give up. Never give up on sinners. Never give up on them. You know people. I know people. There may be some that you love, maybe family members, maybe friends, co-workers, that you know if they were to die tonight, they'd spend eternity separated from God because they're not a believer in Jesus Christ. Never, ever, ever give up. Always, always be willing to share the gospel. Continue to share the gospel. Never give up. Keep 
mentioning, keep praying for them. And by the way, let me, let me, let me remind you of these cards. I asked you to take them and put ten names on them and pray for them between now and uh, the end of August. Uh, if you don't know ten people, and <laughs> it may be. I mean, most Christians may not know, or a lot of Christians may not know ten people that are lost, that are that know about them. You know, they may see them somewhere, but don't aren't from. Even if it's just one, put that one name down there and start praying for those individuals. And don't forget to pray. Add them to your prayer list so that you pray when you pray every day that you would pray for that individual that they would come to know Jesus uh, as her Lord and Savior. This guy was a thief. He was a heinous criminal. And he was about to be crucified on the cross. And that wasn't too late. That wasn't too late. Never quit. Always continue to remember them. Never give up on sinners. Always seize every opportunity to witness for Jesus Christ. For non-believers. Let me share this. Anybody can be saved. If this thief dying on a cross could be saved. You can too. You can too. It's never too late. If you still have breath, you can ask Jesus to come into your life as your Lord and Savior. I believe with all my heart, Jesus, it's, the Bible teaches all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can be saved if you just say yes to the Lord. Just believe that He's the Son of God and confess with your mouth that He is Lord. And the Bible says you'll be saved. Any person can be Don't think you're too bad. Don't think there's no way that you can live up to it. The second thing to unbelievers... Don't keep putting it off. Don't keep putting it off. Don't wait till you're going through something that, like that guy is going through. Don't think, oh, well, I can do it tomorrow, or I'll do it, oh, when I get out of high school, or I'll do it when I'm in college, or I'll do it after, after I get my family established. You know, don't wait, don't put it off. Because you know why? None of us, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Those little nine-year-old kids in that church school in Nashville, none of them went to school that morning thinking that would be their last day on earth. Don't keep putting it off. There's a reason the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Just because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Jesus died on Calvary's cross to purge.
purchase your salvation. It would be a Black Friday. It wouldn't be a good day for you if you let that go in vain. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you for the blessings you give us. I thank you, Father, that you let Jesus come live his life here sinlessly and let him die that excruciating death on Calvary's cross for me. I thank you for that, Lord. I ask God that if there's anyone here today that doesn't know Jesus, Lord, that you would speak to their heart right now. Help them, Lord, to make that decision that will affect their entire eternity. God, have your way in our lives today. For it's in Jesus' name I pray.